They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But the bye, 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 bye. But the bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Bye-bye, bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Hello, do banners. It's just me today. Um, Jodie's actually been really ill, so I'm doing this one mainly just to give you a few updates and to, to clear a few stories that I thought were quite fun to use coming up to Christmas. But if you're wondering where Jodie is, actually, he's been in a pretty bad way. He's, he's caught COVID the day before he was due to move house, which is, is terrible timing, but actually it seems to have hit him really hard. Um, he's been not checking messages and um, yeah, he's really struggled for it. So I, I just hope he's going to be okay on the other side. It's not going to affect him too bad. So um, if he's if he's not replied to any message to you, that is why um, he's actually genuinely going through quite a hard time. Hopefully by the time this comes out, a couple of days time, he'll be back good as rain, ready for the Christmas party. So number one, tickets to the Christmas party, get a ticket. It's tomorrow. Um, you can pay via PayPal. I'm sure you can turn up and pay on the day. Should be fun. But I've got a few um, a few little stories for you. A few things to catch up on that I've just been going through my list of things to talk about that now has about 100 items in. Some of them are actually still quite good, but just never managed to fit into the podcast. But the first one, the first one is some listener feedback. And this is listener feedback from our editor, Nick. Now, um, this was to do with quite quite topical actually because I've I've done a, a few interviews um, by myself because because has been away. One of them has been, in fact, three of our, our almost biggest ever guests. Jody's missed out on. That's how ill he's been. So we've had um, Pat Born to Run is coming up with um, Christopher McDougall. Wow, wow, what a guest! Just incredible. But some other episodes for you to look up uh, look out for in the next few weeks. One of them is um, Martin Dickey, the founder of BrewDog. We managed to interview him about his running and about BrewDog. Really, really unusual interview, actually. Give it a chance because the first 20 minutes or so don't work that well. I'll, I'll be honest about that. We're talking about running. I don't think he's that comfortable talking about running. And I, I think he felt that he was a bit of a, um, well, he didn't, he didn't necessarily deserve to be given the the airing he was getting about his running background. But then after about 20 minutes, we went into more of the stories of Brewdog and spoke to that for about 40 minutes or so. And that was far more interesting. And, and it was really, I, d- I, didn't, I know a fair bit about Brewdog. Um, I might have asked some questions that are already out there, but we did talk about a lot of things that I'm sure weren't. And we also talked about the Brewdog um their controversy that happened with their, the way they treated staff. And that was really interesting, not only to, to hear from him, but actually to see him his, you know, physically, how he reacted to that. Clearly, there's a lot of regret there. Um, but that's coming out. And who else did he also miss? Someone else incredible. Um, Bruce Fordyce, no, we've done that one. Uh, I can't remember now. But someone else really, really interesting, who I know he'd have loved to be on the on the podcast for. Um, which is a real shame. But 
This is from Listener Nick. Sorry, Editor Nick. You know Editor Nick. He said, after listening to uh, the last intro, you talked a bit about barefoot running. I was an early adopter around the time of Born to Run came out and had a little blog called Nearly Shoeless that got him involved in loads of forums. Um, so, do badders, this is your first Christmas gift to yourself. Get out there and get on Nearly Shoeless. It's... Um, it is Nick's blog. I'm sure it's fabulous. I haven't read it much myself, but he needs lots of comments to know people are reading. And Nick has been going through a bit of a slump recently in his running. He's been finding himself, in fact, it seems everyone involved in the podcast in any way has been having a bit of a slump recently with their running, um, Jody and myself included. So get out there, get on the blog, tell Nick he needs to get out running and, uh, and be free to run again. Born to Run episodes coming up quite soon as well. And that is brilliant, man. That, that writer, that journalist, he's someone you just want to talk to about anything. Now, there's quite a few books coming out or that have come out that we've had on the podcast or talked about the podcast. And at Christmas time, you're probably short of ideas. Either buy these for your friends or hint to your partner heavily that you want these. So this, this is one I haven't actually properly given light to, partly because I, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be enough for a whole episode. But this is from Jerry, who's involved in the running charity. If you don't know the running charity, we've interviewed Alex Eagle, the founder previously, amazing charity that helped people get back on their feet who are homeless, who are refugees. And most relevant currently is the Seifu, who we're currently doing adverts for, doing an appeal for, trying to save him from having to go back to war-torn Ethiopia. He was introduced to Heathside Running Club through them. He mentors through them currently, and they've got a book out. I can't see from my notes here what the name of the book is, which is probably quite, it's called Running Stories by Runners of All Ages, Speeds and Backgrounds. And this is actually, if you want to feel positive about running, if you want to feel positive about life in general, this is the book for you. It's 88 extraordinary short stories from ordinary runners, from fun to brave and all in between, and 100% of the revenues from sales are donated to the running charity. Now, um, that is that helps out young, the young homeless. Everything about this is just brilliant. It's the type of thing you just buy, even if you're going to use it for firewood, because it's doing good. But actually, you will love this book. It's wonderful. It will make you feel good. So go out there and get it. That is present number one now to interject these books just so it's not a whole whole selling i've got a few stories as well a few things to watch a few things to recommend or to to not recommend so the first one is this is a really long article that i read outdoor magazine which i am are coming to think is probably the best magazine in the world to read um it's where Alex Hutchinson, who's been on the podcast, he writes for them regularly. He does loads of really insightful pieces, a lot of them based on scientific research, or a lot of them just because he's a very interesting runner. This was one by a guy called Brian K. Blinkenstaff, and I reached out to him and asked him to actually come on the podcast to talk about this, because having read the article, typically what I do when I record podcasts, or so when, I, when I write things down for notes, and, and this depends if I'm lying in my bed on my phone or actually on a laptop, because uh, I'm, I'm better depending on the time of day or, or where I'm reading this stuff. 
if I'm right, reading with, with Breezy passed out next to me, hungover, um, it's normally a bit more scrawled. And so that's why, that explains why some of the stories aren't necessarily that fluent when I'm telling them as the, as the bad stuff. But this was all about East German doping. And Brian said, actually, he couldn't really add anything to the article because this was a few years old now. But there was there's so much interesting in here that I wanted to read out. Um, and I, did, I felt that I was, in essence, just stealing the article by I put so many notes in. But he, he didn't want to come and talk about it. So actually, I'm just going to read them out to you because I, I just think it when we think about the scale of, of doping, um, you've got to take your hats off to these Germans. Like they they were incredible at it. They were the gold medalists of gold medal doping. So the, the amazing thing about the unification is that a huge number of the documents, the unification happened so quickly in, was it 91? That it, it wasn't as if the the current regime had a chance to to clear out the all the, the, the cupboards of all of their files. So actually, they've got a huge amount of the information for the doping that has been kept throughout this whole period. And to a certain extent, no one's cared about it because it's been known, but they've been going through. And, and this is this goes through basically all of the details they found, which is just an incredible read. But according to records kept by um, Lathan, who was one of the uh, one of the people who were involved in the program, um, they consumed. They were looking at the amount of drugs that were consumed by some athletes. So um, Bonk, I mean, what a name, right? And I can't. I've not written down who Bonk is. So, so Bonk is clearly someone. I'll, I'll figure this out during the course of the, the telling of the story. Um, so Bonk is a one of the German testers, and he consumed over a 12-month period 12,775 milligrams of steroid in 1978 and 1979, um, 11,000 of which are oral, in case anyone knows what that means. Um, 12,700 is the highest quantity of anabolic steroids a human is ever documented to have ingested in a single year. The West Germany, and this is a, this is a quote, um, West German calf breeders would use a similar dose to fatten an entire stable of their beef. Um, Quips de Spiegel, in, uh, which is the German newspaper in 91. So we think about dopers as, we think about the doping system as runners are using or athletes are using steroids to give them a bit of an advantage. Now, the Germans actually, they didn't just give them to the athletes. They wanted to find out what the limit was. But they were testing them on people, including um, Bonk, whoever they may be, to find out what the effects were. So they had a full regime on this. Um, and by way of comparison, East Germany's Yu Hong, who in 1984 became the only person to ever throw a javelin over 100 metres, a distinction that still stands today, he took an annual dosage that appeared to have topped out at 1,135 milligrams that year. So this person took n times more than the the person who they think 
doped the most um, in sport. Ben Johnson, the Canadian sprinter, took approximately 1,500 milligrams of steroids in 1988. And he, he then noted that more than 300,000 East Germans, or nearly 5% of the labour force, worked at least part-time as coaches or sports officials. And that when Kirk... Sch oh, I've, I've pieced together lots of parts of the articles. It doesn't play that well. Um... When Kershawbaum Kirsch, stopped for a day at the Olympic swim trials, he saw three world records, including a 1.11.93 in the 100-metre breaststroke, um, a hitherto unknown Berliner just two months past her 14th birthday. So this is how incredible the impact was. Um, so they took a 14-year-old swimmer. She had never been heard of before, and she broke the 100-metre breaststroke world records all because of the drugs the following month the gdr and this was just internally within eastern germany east germany um the following month the gdr won 90 medals 40 of which were gold the us took home only 34 medals the soviets 49 but just think about that when we think about russian doping now and to be fair to fair to the russians they're pretty good at it GDR won 90 gold medals, just East Germany. When Russia, well, Russia and the States combined. Oh, sorry, 90 medals, 40 gold. Okay, so I've got that bit wrong. But still, I think that's incredible. If you think about the size of Russia and the size of East Germany, that is how good their doping program is. So when we talk about doping, they are the best. And I think we need to give them some kind of kudos for that. Um, obviously horrific for everyone who's from Germany and West Germany and from America for losing all those golds. But that gives you context for when we think about doping now, which I thought was quite interesting. But go out and read that whole article. As you can tell, I've just cut and pasted parts of it, put it there. Um, it's a really, really good read. So that is a nice Christmas read for yourself. Now, another book to get as well. Mike Stocks. He is a clubmate of mine at Heathside, as is Seifu, who's hopefully going to stay in the country. And uh, Mike came to the, the Run Show South and spoke on the stage about he has, he's done 10 comrades now. Um, we went together to do comrades. Incredible runner. He that is his main passion in life. But he now represents Britain in the 24 hours team. He's uh, been very focused on 100 miles, then 24-hour, 12-hour. And so he's written a book called One Track Mind, um, which is it's, it's not it's a little bit biographical. Um, but it's what I would say, it's an incredibly easy book to read. It's it takes you through him trying to set his record for 24 hours and qualify for Team GB. And. It, it talks you through, it, it feels almost, I'm not going to say a meditation, because that's a little bit wanky, but you, you get in the rhythm of running that race, because it's written in the flow of that race, where it doesn't really break down, these are my shoes, these are my nutrition, it just flows through them. So if you're, if you're not a great, great reader, this one's a really easy one to get into. It's, it's, there's not a huge amount to it, um, but... A really nice book to if you're if you're focused on that type of thing. What I love about it is if you Google Mike Stock's book, it comes up and there is a 
gorgeous man called Mike Stocks, his picture. There is not Mike Stocks. Um, I mean, Mike Stocks is a gorgeous man, but there is also another author who appears to be more successful than our Mike Stocks, which um, is, is being now given an extra book in his, uh, in his lovely set of, uh, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, but Mike has been credited with Mike's book. So anyway, there is another book for you to go out and read and, and to buy. Another thing for you to watch, recommendation, Christmas recommendation. I was trying to get the son of the, I was trying to get the director of this film on, nearly got him on, didn't quite come together. There's an amazing film called El Ingles, El Ingles, which I think translates from Spanish into the English. E-L-I-N-G-L-E-S. Send a short film. It's on Vimo, you know, that platform that's not YouTube. It's on that one. Bello, Vimo, Bulo. And it's just a, a lovely story about a English runner who goes to an area of Spain on holiday. And while he's there, he decides to run up a hill. People can't believe that he's running up this hill because it's a, a pretty hardcore hill. And the whole community somehow kind of find out. I think he made a bet in a pub. Might have made that bit up talks about it and they're like there's no way you can do that he goes and does it and the town was so impressed by the fact that he ran up this hill and the pace that he ran up the hill because he was actually a pretty tidy runner they created a race and this is all about him his love for that hill the race his relationship with the town it's just gorgeous only about 25 minutes long 30 minutes it's just really joyful you'll love it to go out and watch that. If you're bored at Christmas, go and watch that. So, another book, Robbie Britton. I've got it here. I've got the other books in the house somewhere, but Breezy's tidied them away. Actually, that's a lie, she never ties anything. But um, they have been tidied away, because I've read them. Now, we've got Robbie's book. It's actually really, really, really good. Um, it's 1,001 tips. So even if 60% of them are crap, there's still 300 tips, right? That's pretty damn sweet. So you can buy this online. So go and buy it. Um, Robbie's obviously an expert at ultra running, but also a very fun and funny man. Um, for example, here, tip 297, always, always run in the woods. That way, if you poo yourself, you can wipe your ass on a badger. Um, may or may not be in the book. There's only one way to find out. Go out and buy it for Christmas for yourself, someone else. Go and do it. Now, another article for you to read. This one from Runner's World. And, hmm, shall I read out? I've made a lot of notes on this one as well because it's, um, it's brilliantly written. Well done, Runner's World. Absolutely well done. I know we take the piss sometimes um, about the, the how, to, how to run a 5K articles, which I know you have to do because you have a lot of new readers but you've absolutely smashed it with this one in terms of the detail the knowledge the tone there's been a few few tragedies in running the the, the biggest one has been in china uh this early this year last year where 21 people died just an, an absolute tragedy and we we spoke about it a bit at the time it was it was massively in the news globally rightly so but 
then things kind of closed down as you'd as you'd understand you know because china are very secretive towards pretty much everything that's negative within their country and everything oh yeah, that's something I that's the best way to write it, say it i guess and um runners world have actually gone and done their research interviewed people and have really got to the crux of what happened it's 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 just an incredible read you know a really really sad story um for everyone involved I'll, I'll i'll give you a little snippet but do go out and, and and get it it is online you can find it um so this the real this this really talks through the whole experience from start to finish so racers have been encouraged to stow their warm clothes in a drop bag which they would pick up at mile 39 at the sixth checkpoint but few had expected they would need extra layers as this this is the yellow riverstone forest 100k and it took place in a desert with a 2900 foot climb which would bring them to 7300 feet so I guess that's the key part of it is this, they went up the hill when the, the weather conditions came in the wind had blown markers away they heard that the next checkpoint wouldn't have any food just two volunteers punching race cards so um the trail was was so slippery in the in the weather and not wide enough for two people hanging on to each other side by side that's how hard the trail was when they got that got up there so in essence a lot of these runners went out thinking they'd be able to get their warm clothes later in the run because that is I, I don't know why that bag drop wasn't before this hill but um of the 172 runners who set off at the in the race 21 died and eight were seriously injured most if not all the deaths were caused by hypothermia in the lead group of six only zhang had survived so the zhang is one of the people interviewed and and that's the crazy thing these these were you know, really really good athletes as well uh lian jing's death was especially unnerving he was no stranger to extreme races he's the winner of the ultra gobi 400k so this is someone who who understands the terrain who is an incredible ultra runner we, we've spoken to um alfie on the podcast about that race we spoke to james paul about it you know the those two people are they if you hear their experience neither of them finished it untainted so this this just shows you how freak this accident was um but the the big question mark was why the race committee hadn't held ra held races at the second checkpoint because by then the weather had already turned bad since then the government banned ultra races as well as other high-risk outdoor sports um Jingtai County's party secretary Lee Zuibi, I've pronounced that wrong almost certainly, committed suicide by jumping off a building. He appears to have known what was coming soon after a harsh judgment came down from the government, government's party provincial committee naming almost everyone connected to the race, organizers, sponsors, or others connected as potentially liable. 27 officials have been punished or charged with sentences not yet rendered or the magistrates of Yingtai County was fired. So the story is in more depth than that. Um, that gives you a a bit of a, a snapshot, the highlights of it. Um, amazing article by Runners World and actually one that, that needed to be written. 
Um, so well done, Runners Worlds. Go out and read that if you're bored at Christmas as well. So something else to buy, something else to get. Um, if you're actually minted or just feeling a bit flair, don't have to be that minted. I'm going to pick up a friend of mine's shoes. I may have talked, to it already, talked about it already with JD. And I want to show JD just to get his reaction as well. But Google something called Caitlin Fielder Fine Art. The Caitlin Fielder is a very good runner. She was in Golden Trail this year. She's from New Zealand, but she lives in um, Europe in or is it Andalusia, or that, that place in between Spain and France in the Pyrenees that no one really, Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein, now I've got that wrong again, that place anyway. But she did a, an art degree when she was um, studying and she's now, she's a, I, I, I think she's a professional runner. I, I, I don't really know when someone is or isn't these days because it, it's always such a balance, but she's at least semi-professional. And her, her husband is a, a very famous cyclist. So she decided to paint him some shoes, cycling shoes. Yep, sorry, sorry guys, cycling alert. Should have, should have put a warning at the top of the show. And to say that she's a good artist is an understatement because she now makes bespoke cycling shoes and running trainers, I'll have you know, for the runners out there. And they're just incredible. So go and look at them. Caitlin Fielder Fine Art. C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Caitlin. C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Fielder, like a field, E-R. Fielder, like a field, E-R. Fine Art. You wanna, you'll want to see these, even if you've no intention of buying any. I think they're about 400 euros a pair, um, but they're all hand-painted and they're all designed bespokely to how you want them designed. I mean, some of the, the details on them, they look, they don't look hand painted, but they they are masterpieces, every single one. And they're so varied as well. So I'm just clicking through and just loving them. I know she does trainers now. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I've got very good few at home listeners. I know she does trainers now because for the first Golden Trail race, Ola Denuria, she designed a pair of trainers as the prizes. And um, I'm hoping she'll do more of that because they're just so cool. And they're made with, she paints them with acrylic paint that um, go directly on leather and are washable, all of that. So they, they will stay relatively beautiful. But I'd probably recommend just for your road shoes, not necessarily your pair of um, mud claws or, or equivalent. So there's something else for Christmas. Now, something else to, what else have we got going? We've got some feedback from some of the listeners that I never mentioned. So firstly, I was talking about, we were talking in the Olympics about how we love the speed wall climbing and how it reminded us of um, gladiators. And we, we really weren't sure about the rules of it. So Kirsty Pheasant, thank you Kirsty. Apologies for the long delay. She actually wrote in to explain how it works. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of listeners who don't know yet and probably have forgotten about this completely. But for the next Olympics, should it still be involved, which is less than four years away now, um, the speed wall is always the same. You learn the moves and practice exactly the same format every time, wherever you are in the world. So it's mainly muscle memory. In the UK, there are only two speed walls, which is probably one of the reasons we're not very good at it. 
boulding is pretty much the opposite, so it's basically problem solving as you don't see the boulders until you climb. So it explains a bit why people aren't necessarily brilliant at both. RE, not having a rope and just climbing, there is deep water soloing where you climb without a belay, either on a cliff, by a lake, or by the sea. Wow! So there you go. There's a bit of insight for you. That does sound fun, actually. And almost that's the running of because you go so fast yeah that's the running version of climbing let's say now something else to to not listen to i listened to mark watson's comedy marathon i've been trying to get him on the podcast when he brought it out last year and this was a audible speciality she can only get an audible which uh, is frustrating in some ways, but actually a huge relief because I've listened to it and you've been saved. It's the, it's the weirdest thing. It's all about the marathon. He was doing a marathon and I think he thought, how can I do something and get paid for it? And it is, it's little plays about people experience marathons where they just, have they left the toaster run or, oh, this chafes, it's dreadful. So just in case you were thinking of getting that, Actually, listen to a few of them, and it would just be really confused and perplexed because Mark Watson, brilliant, clearly has to pay the bills somehow. And another book, final book, final recommendation, Running Tracks by Rob Deering. We got him on the show. He was wonderful. You know him from um, fellow podcast. <laughs> what are they called again? That's awkward. Um, but we got him to talk about He's I've known Rob for... Oh, I've known, I've known Rob longer than Jodie. Probably since that 2004, we used to work on a TV show together called um, With the Lovely Sean Locke uh, and Justin Lee Collins. Um, but he has written a book which is part biography, part music. He's obsessed with music. If you've ever seen his stand-up comedy, which is very good, he often um, plays guitar, often sings. He's a huge fan of music um, and it's a really, really lovely book where he's talking about his experience of running, but a lot of it is to do with the, the songs that have really helped define that journey. And I'm sure a lot of you will associate with that because running to a lot of people is such a an important part, a huge connection to either losing yourself or actually focusing in on that moment. And so he, he goes through and he, he talks about himself and about his runs and the races. The really nice book to go out and get that one as well. I think that's just about it done for me. Um, yeah, something that I noticed the other day that I will be talking about with JD. Actually, while we've got it, firstly, we still need a Russian or Latvian translator for the running show. Turns out Dimi, uh, Dimi, her Bulgarian isn't Latvian or Russian, sadly. Someone else, someone else, does anyone know anyone? Because currently we're gonna have on stage the world record holder and we're not gonna be able to talk to him, which could be quite interesting, quite a do bad thing to do, but some would suggest it would be a bit of a waste of having a world champion. Get tickets to that, obviously. Something else I'd mention that I'm gonna mention with JD is turned out he's being um, nominated for Male Entrepreneur of the Year at the National Business Awards. I don't know what you do to get involved with that. I don't know um, what chance he has, but 
I'm going to bring it out with him. I think it's brilliant. So I think we should all c- congratulate Jody on being nominated for that. Don't do it on his LinkedIn in a funny way because he's trying to win business there. So do it on his Facebook. And I'd also like to congratulate, congratulate long-term listener, Pete Faulkner, who um, his Instagram uh, is pretty cool. Now, Pete has, was an obstacle racer. I knew him through those days. He then took to ultra racing quite um, quite early on and just had a huge passion for it. We talked about him on the podcast before. Now, his local running club is Cumberland Fell Runners. They are as, uh, as gnarly as they sound. And he won the award for long distance, the long distance award at his Christmas do for the, the running club, which you think fair play, lovely, um, nice to, nice to win. Now he was given the award by Joss Naylor, which has to be one of the coolest moments, the coolest ways to win an award. Joss Naylor, if you don't know Joss Naylor, he is the godfather of fell running. The Bob Graham round is his, 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 uh, his baby, I believe, uh, maybe it's Bob Graham, but Joss Naylor certainly is the, 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 the most renowned fell runner of all time. So, Pete, well done on that. But thanks for listening, guys. That has been just to give you something for Christmas. Go out and buy these lovely books and um, we'll see you at the Christmas party, I believe, tomorrow. Get your tickets to the run show. If you've got any recommendations of people you want me to interview, I will be firing through to a whole set of new people in the new year. We've got some great names coming up. Jim Wormsley coming on. Um, we've got Francois, winner of three times UTMB coming on. I'm going to try and get um, Courtney back on as well. And also trying to get Maggie. So anyone else, let me know. And hopefully we'll be back with Jody, who hopefully is going to be in fine, fine shape. But that's just in guys, see you soon. But a bye 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 but a bye 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 bye. Baby come back. Bye 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Yes, and give me one more try. Cause a love like this should I never ever die. Come back. Fuck you, buddy.